service tonight. What a beautiful day the Lord's given to us. I know. I know we need rain, but I don't want it now. I want to get through the revival week, right? We'll get rain on Saturday, but uh, it's just been great, and God's already blessing. If you missed yesterday, you missed it. Uh, most of it is available to you online. You can go out there and hear it and see it, but uh, oh, God's already begun to work, and we're looking forward to see what God's going to do tonight. If you're visiting for the first time, if you would stop by, please, our welcome center and make sure that uh, you get a gift from us. We would love to invite you officially. If you're joining us online for the first time, sbtnd.org slash contact. Let us know that you're out there. It's always an encouragement to us to hear from you. Uh, of course, the revival, we have meals at 6 o'clock every night this week. Uh, then we have the revival services here. Then the teenagers get together afterwards for refresh time and uh, they go outside and play uh, games for a half an hour or so, and then we bring them back in and preach to them a second time. So if you have a teenager, you know they need that. Get them here. And, and I, when we started this, I said, I was the one. I'm the proverbial positive thinking guy. I said, this will never work. You're not going to have teenagers come for two preaching services. And boy, did you guys ever prove me wrong, teenagers. I appreciate it. And over the years, you've just kept coming and showing that uh, it's a great thing. So we're looking forward to that. We also have kids uh, services going on during this time after the song service. We'll dismiss the kids. Uh, and so looking forward to having our interns working out uh, tonight. So they're excited, aren't you? You guys excited back there, Drew and Grant? 
So you can wave at them. They're excited, nervous. This is their first big thing. So here it is. And uh, now we begin. Welcome to the ministry. That's what we always say it around here. We're going to take up an offering, and we would encourage you to uh, dig deep. Our offerings every night this week will go straight to Brother Dave. Uh, church doesn't take anything out of it. We're just trying to be a help and encouragement to him, keep him on the road, keep him doing what God's called him to do. It takes a lot to do so. You've got to drive from place to place. You've got to figure out how you're going to uh, pay the bills based on what people might decide they want to give you. And uh, it's called living by faith, right, Brother Dave? So, uh, amen. That's an exciting, an exciting way to live. Uh, we're unique in, you know, we're the, now the size of church where we can help go beyond, above and beyond that, and help other churches that are smaller than ours uh, be able to afford to bring Brother Dave in, right? He could afford to go if other churches like us can step up and, and help him out. So we just encourage you to dig deep. Here's what the Bible says. When someone is being faithful to do their job in feeding us the word, they are worthy of, what's the phrase the Bible uses? Double honor. And that's the idea, you know, of double honor. And so it is not beyond God's expectation nor beyond what is acceptable to figure out, you know, what, what do you get paid every week and say, we want to give at least double that to Brother Dave because that gives him the opportunity then to go to other places. So we encourage you to dig deep. Weird time we live in. Sometimes you have to do that online. Uh, so you can go to sbdindy.org slash giving and there's a drop-down column, and you can give straight to the, uh, to the revival, which means it goes to Brother Dave. And uh, so you can figure out how to do that as well. Let's have the men come, and uh, we'll take up the uh, evening offering. Matt, we're going to ask you to pray, not just for the offering, but to pray that God would bless the uh, service as well, because this is the first time we're praying this evening. So. Father, thank you for this evening, and Lord, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation that we have through his blood. We thank you that God... We're able to um, gather here this evening and, and worship you. I pray that you would speak through Brother Dave. Uh, use the words that you've given to him to challenge our hearts. Help us to be responsive to the word of God. Help us to use it. Uh, and may this time be uh, a change in our church, Lord. I pray that it would change our hearts over the next few uh, uh, weeks and months. And I pray that you'd bless this offering. Help Brother Dave to use it wisely and to further his ministry and the ministry that you've given to him. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Aquiles, we're so glad you're here tonight, and uh, we have the opportunity to love Jesus because he loves us. And you heard the choir sing that, he's redeemed us, he's purchased us through Jesus' death on the cross, the payment for our sins, we're going to praise him for that tonight. If you're not redeemed, you can be redeemed tonight. If you are, you can praise God for that, right? So let's stand together and we'll sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. sing on that third. When we get to that chorus, we'll have the instruments drop out and we'll finish it a cappella. Let's sing together on that last. When I stand
melting grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now am found was blind but now i see amazing love how can it be that thou my god shouldst die for me i'll sing throughout eternity amazing grace amazing love was it for crimes that i have done he groaned upon the tree amazing pity grace unknown and love beyond degree amazing love how can it be that thou my god shouldst die for me i'll sing throughout eternity amazing grace amazing love amazing grace shall ever be my song of praise my highest call love so amazing so divine demands my life my all amazing love how can it be that thou my god shouldst die for me i'll sing throughout eternity amazing grace amazing love amazing grace Amazing love, amazing love. Amen. All right, thank you, Doc. Beautiful song tonight, and good evening, church family. We are glad you're here tonight. If you're a guest, we're especially glad you're here. We. Uh, counted a great privilege that you join us tonight. If you're a member of the church, we're glad you're here too, but we expected you. And uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Take your copy of the Word of God, would you, and find the book of First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. And uh, I, uh, I was just watching Dr. Barber sing there and thinking about the fact that uh, my son Matthew, uh, he always has a bad memory when he thinks of Dr. Barber because he's the man that put his kneecap back in place at a, a teen event at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. And uh, so I uh, just was thinking about that, but thank you for that song. Hey, go by the book table again tonight if you're able, and uh, get our prayer card if you get nothing else. But here's two other books to tell you about. Jim Cimbala's book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, is a phenomenal book about revival. And I just absolutely love this book. And it's got great illustrations in it, great stories. And it's just about how the Spirit of God can change a life. So that's a great book. And then Randy Alcorn has uh, a great book called Happiness. 
and uh, just evaluates what it means to be happy and how our world can get it wrong and how God's people can have true happiness in their lives. It's a great book, and it's on the table. I hope you'll take advantage of all that. Charity's the one in charge of that. And uh, so if you have any questions at all, you'll see Charity, and uh, she'll help you with it, all right? And uh, what's that? Not tonight? That's right, because Charity's going to the teen thing. I'm the one in charge of that tonight. And uh, so uh, I'll see you all there afterwards. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I guess you don't get paid this week. So... Uh, <laughs> Now she's not going to the teen thing, so um, but, uh, it's going to be great afterwards, teens. Y'all excited? And y'all looking forward to this? How many on the Pepsi team? How many Pepsis we have in the building? All right, a few of you. Anybody on Coke? Anybody here for Coke? Yeah. It's, going to be, it's going to be a great week. I'm just telling you, it's going to be a great week. Can y'all see that? But to thank you for being here tonight. Take your Bible here now to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's begin reading in the first verse, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. We're talking on the theme this week of thriving. And Peter is the author of this book, and Peter is writing to a group of believers who are going through a time of great challenge, great struggle, great difficulty. Their faith is being tried. They're going through heavy times of manifold temptations, as our King James Version says it. They are a reminder that you and I live in a world cursed by sin. How many of y'all knew that? How many of y'all know that problems are normal to a world like ours? Y'all aware of that? And it's very normal that we go through challenges and difficulties, and Peter is writing to tell us God didn't save us just so we could survive the world we live in. God wants us to thrive in the world we live in. So if you're a child of God tonight, our key word is thriving. God wants you to thrive. So look at chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We have a key word in verse 2 tonight. Yesterday I taught you, if we're going to thrive, what do we have to do? We have to know. We have to know who God is. We have to know what we have. We have to know what we ought to do. And that was in chapter 1. Tonight we're in chapter 2, and if we're going to thrive, we have to grow. We have to grow. Growing is a good thing. How many of y'all agree with that? Growing is a great thing. When Josh and Abby were small, people would say to us, oh my goodness, we had Josh and Abby really close together, our first two, 14 months apart. Abby, when she was born, was this tiny little petite thing that scared me to death almost to hold her. She was so tiny. And then 14 months later, Josh came along and he was half grown. <laughs> and I remember when he was born, I was like, is this normal? I mean, like, what? Did we do something wrong? I mean, he was just this little beast of a kid. And, and it wasn't long because she was so small and he was so big that they looked like twins almost. And we had one of those double strollers and people would say, oh my, they, don't you wish they could stay babies the rest of their lives? People, oh, don't you wish they could stay babies the rest of their lives? How many of y'all know the answer to that? Good heavens, no. We want them to grow up, don't we? That's the plan. How I many moms and dads we have in the room? The plan is grow up and leave. That's the plan, isn't it? Grow up and go. That's the plan. We want you to get out of here. Now, there's coming a day. It's just going to be Beth and me. Charity, we love you. We're happy. We are thankful for you. But one of these days, we're going to find you a man. And, um, and <laughs> that is the plan, isn't it? I mean, it, it is. See, growing is a good thing. Growing is a good thing. When you're younger, when, when, you're, when you're a kid and you're immature and you're young, sometimes you do foolish things, don't you? 
And God doesn't want us to stay young and foolish all of our lives. He wants us to grow up and mature. That's what he's talking about here. When I was a kid, I was a kid, I had a speech impediment. And my parents must have had a sense of humor because I had a speech impediment. I said my T's as F's and my F's as T's, and I'd confuse those two all the time. So my parents bought me a puppy dog and named it Little Feller. Now, that's just not right. Did you all know that? So my dog, Liffleteller, and I were pretty good buddies. And uh, I remember that time of my life because my sister was two years older than I, and she didn't fight fair. If we got into a fight, she would bite me. And she'd do that all the time, and she'd just take a hunk out of me. She'd bite me, and I'd run to mom, you know, crying. She bit me. And my sister, you know, she'd get a spanking. And, and, and I don't know how many times this happened. It happened enough times that my mom got very frustrated about it and one day told me something that I don't know was the right thing to say. My, my mom said to me, for crying out loud, bite her back. And I just a little boy, and I will tell you, I never did that. I never did that because, you know, my sister was bigger, and, 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 and I just, she scared me, so I wasn't going to bite her back. And I didn't want what she had, so I, I wasn't going to bite her back. But I remember that. I remember that little dog of mine, Liffleteller, and um, my little dog and I, mom had said, bite her back, bite her back. And my little dog, I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't very old, but I was playing with my little dog on the front porch, and my little dog bit me. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world? And this is the absolute truth. When that little dog bit me, I heard my mom's voice. Bite him back. <laughs> I don't know what possessed me, but I remember very clearly grabbing that little puppy I grabbed him behind the neck and on the hindquarters, and I picked him up, and I took a hunk out of him. I mean, I'm just telling you, I bit him good, and the little dog, arr, arr, arr. and I can remember my mom coming to the door, and my mom was like, what would you do to that dog? And I was so proud of myself. Like, I bit it. So my, my mom and dad first began to wonder if I was all there. But I remember biting that little dog. Aren't y'all glad I grew up? Aren't you glad that I, I matured beyond that? You know, it's an easy thing to be a Christian and not grow. Just be on your way to heaven and just float along and, and just get to the place where after you've been saved for a while, you become content with where you are. Where you're, I'm, I'm, I'm good. This is, a lot of us feel like, I'm good. We're like the church of Laodicea. Remember the church at Laodicea felt like all was well. Here's their, here's their evaluation. They said, we are rich. Increase with goods and have need of nothing. Well, you can't get any better than that, can you? We're rich, increase with goods, and have need of nothing. And yet Jesus evaluated them and said, Now hold on a minute. You say you're rich, increase with goods, and in need of nothing. But I'm saying to you, he, he said this. He said, You are wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. Now, that's a little over the top, isn't it? In fact, the startling thing to me was it's not even close. What they thought about themselves and where they were isn't even close to each other at all. Do you suppose that's possible in our lives? That here we are saved on our way to heaven and the way God sees us and the way we see ourselves is not even close. The issue is, the, the difference is whether or not I am growing. Had a little illustration tonight, and uh, forgive me, y'all. But their sweet little girl, who's absolutely adorable, who has a little baby doll that worries me. Um, 
but they're a sweet little girl. They had to get on her a little bit tonight because when I spoke to her, she didn't like me. She kind of reacted a little negatively, so he made her tell me she was sorry and, and all of that. But you know what? She's how old is she? She's two and a half. Now, that'd be a bigger deal if she was like 12 and a half, right? But see, she's two and a half. So because she's two and a half, it's not like, you know, we're all like, oh my goodness, what pitiful parents they are. No, because she's two and a half, right? And when you're two and a half, and is she being trained? Well, obviously, because her parents were a little mortified. And we're like, oh, great, now we're going to show up on the Keeping It Young podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and, but I promise you, you will not. But see, the point is, she's good. You know why? Because she's growing. She's growing. Now, if 20 years from today, she's the same as she is now, that'd be a problem, wouldn't it? And see, God saves us to thrive. God saves us so we will keep going, keep advancing, keep, keep adding to our faith, and keep becoming more like Jesus every day of our life. And that's called thriving. That's life spiritually. And he's talking to us here that we are called to thrive in this world of sinfulness and darkness and persecution and challenges and difficulties. And if we are going to thrive, we've got to grow. And he addresses at least three areas I've got to show you tonight, and our time will be gone. The first one is actually back in chapter 1. So if you're in chapter 1, look at the 13th verse, chapter 1, verse 13, and, and Peter is going to address them in an area where they ought to be growing, just like this is an area where we ought to be growing. Verse 13, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance but watch this now as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for i am holy how many y'all know those verses do you do you recognize those what's the lesson we can learn here we're to be growing in holiness now chew on that a moment we don't like that word in our culture we don't like that word in the church holiness seriously but the Bible lets us know right here, if you're going to thrive in a world like ours, you've got to be growing in holiness. You've got to be more like Jesus now than you were in the past. And how many of y'all know that never stops? It's not like you get saved and after so many years you come to a place where you're like, oh, praise God, I can slow down because I'm good. No. The Bible says here we're to be obedient children growing in the Lord and we're to grow in holiness. We're to be more like Jesus. We're to be more like the Father. We're to be holy because He is holy. You know what He does, don't you? Did you know that God uses the sufferings of our lives to make us holy? Remember one of the themes of the book of 1 Peter is suffering. He's not really talking about how to be saved, though it's included in, in 1 Peter. The point of 1 Peter is that when you're saved and you live in a sin-cursed world, you're not exempt from the sufferings of a world like ours. The world is still under the curse of sin. You know that, don't you? You live in a world cursed by sin. That's why there's evil. That's why there's problems. That's why there's tragedies. That's why there's disease and darkness and difficulties. And, and, and it never ends, does it? It never ends. It never will because this world is cursed by sin. When I was a kid, I went to revival in Knoxville, Tennessee with my mom and dad, and this preacher got up, and I remember because he was kind of this camp meeting preacher, and he preached really loud, and he had this kind of sing-song way of preaching, and uh, I remember him real well, but I remember his opening line most of all. When he started his sermon, he said, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that 
you are either in a storm tonight, coming out of a storm tonight, or he said, one is headed your way. And I thought, wow, aren't we all glad we came to hear that little nugget of encouragement? That just really pick you up, doesn't it? But I'm 53 now, and I'm aware he wasn't far off. Are you aware of that? When you live in a world cursed by sin, there's going to be problems and trials. Well, what, what does God do with those in our life? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could come to Jesus, be born again, get saved, and all the problems be eradicated? But nobody, nobody lives that way. Job's experience is not unique to Job. He faced a lot of death, didn't he? We will too. He lost his health and his wealth. And we can face that as well. And yet, what does God do with all the issues of our lives? He wants to use them in your life to make you holy. That's the point of 1 Peter. Every problem you face in your life, every negative effect of sin that shows up in your life, God desires to use it to make you holy. Now, you know theologically God doesn't cause the problems, right? Like we, we try to be positive. We'll say like, you know, well, hey, uh, you know, God gave me cancer. Now, we're trying to be positive, but theologically, that's not true. The reason we get cancer, the reason we die, the reason we struggle, the reason we have problems is because we live in a world cursed by sin. God is good. How many of y'all believe that? God is perfect. How many of y'all believe that? God didn't design this world to be a place where we're cursed by sin and we struggle and face difficulties and challenges and diseases. That's a result of sin. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? That's a result of sin. We live in a world cursed by sin. God is a good God. And yet God takes the curse of sin, all the problems, all the ramifications, and he desires to use it in our lives to make us holy, to make us sweeter, to make us more loving, to make us more gentle. Teenagers, look at me tonight. You're going to go through problems in your life, and what you do with it will either make you more like Jesus, draw you closer to God, or in fact, it will take you farther away from God and make you less like Jesus. You go the one route, and you're going to be holy. That's God's plan, isn't it? That we become holy. So God uses the sufferings of our lives, and what we find in the text I read to you in chapter 2 is God uses His Word to make us holy. You ever find that confusing when he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby? For the longest time, I thought that what that meant was that, you know what, babies, you know, when you're a baby, you need the word of God, the milk of the word of God, and then you get over that because you grow up. But that's not what he means at all. What he means at all is, you know how a baby needs milk? You know how a baby needs milk? And you know how a baby wants milk? Y'all know that? You know how a baby cries for milk? You know what I mean by that? And that baby wants that milk and desires that milk. What he's saying here is, you ought to be like that. You ought to be like a newborn baby. Just like that newborn baby wants the mama's milk and cries for the mama's milk and wakes up in the middle of the night desiring the milk and demanding the milk and wanting the milk and waking up the whole world because it's hungry. What the Bible is saying here is, you ought to be like that. How many of you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? You know what God wants to use? His Word to make you holy. He wants to use His Word to make you holy. You know why the devil gets you too busy to read the Word of God on a daily basis? Because without the Word of God, you can't be holy. How many of y'all believe the Word of God is important if you're going to grow? So you've got to be in it every day. Y'all with me on that? Teenagers, you've got to be in it every day. Are you in the Bible every day? You got the summer off. Aren't you excited about that? The summer off, no school. If that doesn't make you happy, nothing will. You got the summer off. Well, don't waste the summer playing video games five, six, seven, eight hours a day and never do anything with God's Word. 
Don't waste this summer scrolling through YouTube videos and laughing your head off at old people falling down. Those videos abound on there, people falling down and, and people hurting themselves, and we laugh at them, make videos of them. I saw one video on YouTube of these two guys getting ready to break into a, a storefront, and they're on video camera, but they didn't know it. And the one guy, you know, winds up, he's got a brick in his hand, he's going to throw it through the glass so they can break into the store. And he winds up and throws his brick at the glass, and it encourages the guy behind him to do the same. He winds up, throws his brick straight into the head of his friend and knocks him out. And I watched that six or seven times because I thought, no, that is, that, that right there is downright funny. You all with me on that? That's what you call getting what you deserve, reaping what you sowed. So you can spend your whole summer watching YouTube videos or you can set aside time every day to get in the Word of God and grow, grow, become more holy kids. You older folks, don't let Fox News take all your time. No reason to go to bed with indigestion. No reason to go to bed down, depressed, and in need of drugs. Get the Word of God in your life. Grow. Get more holiness in your life. That's what he's talking about here. You need to grow in the Lord. You've got you've to let holiness become normal to your life. You've got to read the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, desire the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. It's so important. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know these verses, don't you? Man shall not live by bread alone. Aren't you glad Jesus said that? He's pro-bread. Give me an amen right there. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You need the Bible, church. If you're going to thrive in holiness, you've got to get to the Word of God. Read it every day. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Live by it. That's the point of this text. Make it a living, breathing, vital part of your life. It's the key to being born again, according to the passage we have here in chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. How many of y'all believe this is the word of the Lord? Y'all believe that? So get it every day into your life. Grow in holiness. You've got to grow in holiness if you're going to thrive in this world of ours. God uses suffering to make us holy. God uses His Word to make us holy. God uses our response to His Spirit to make us holy. God's plan is that I allow the Holy Spirit in my life to show me the Word of God so that through the power of the Spirit I can apply the Word of God to every situation of my life. Our generation says things like this, well, the Bible is silent there. That's what our generation says. Well, the Bible, the Bible is silent. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. It's silent. Can I, just, can I give you a little rule of thumb to live by if you're a child of God? The Bible is never silent on anything. It's not always explicit, but you can find principles for every issue of your life, every situation of your marriage, every situation in your home, every issue you face in your life. God will give you principles in His Word, and if you'll let the Holy Spirit take the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can help you to be more holy in every situation of your life. And shouldn't we pursue more holiness than we do? 
My goodness, how do you apply that? Here's a big one. This will make you nervous. How about modesty? Couldn't we use a little more holiness in that area in our generation? Couldn't we? Is that fair? Y'all okay with that, aren't you? We could use more holiness there. We've gotten so careless in our generation. So careless. We wear things too tight, too slinky, too sexy, too short. We ought to be careful because holiness matters. Is that fair? We could even talk about our music, couldn't we, a little bit? Holiness, important. Holiness, so we ought to be careful what we listen to. I had a teenager say to me a few weeks ago, and I was some Christian school somewhere, and she wanted to talk to me after a chapel, and she said, I'm just so depressed and so down. I just don't know what's wrong with me. And you said, I need the joy of the Lord in my life. And I just don't have any joy. I don't know what's wrong. And I just don't know. And she was almost in tears. And, you know, and I was, you know, thinking, all right, I need to get somebody to help this girl. And so all of a sudden, I just thought, well, let me just ask her a question. So I said, well, let me just ask you something. I said, well, what do you normally listen to every day? And here's what she said. She said, country music, why? <laughs> I said, I may be wrong, but maybe that's why you're a little down and depressed and discouraged and crying and frustrated. I don't know that every country music song is wrong unnecessarily. You with me on that, aren't you? But if, if all your music is about somebody running off with somebody else's dog and driving their truck over a cliff and, and uh, drinking it up, boozing it up, I mean, after a while, wouldn't that be a little discouraging to you? The Bible says here's a better way to live. Aren't you a Christian? Then get some music in your life that teaches you the Word of God and builds you up and encourages you and blesses you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't think it's always wrong to listen to... Not not everything has to necessarily be a hymn. I get that. I'm a football fan. And on top of that, I'm a Tennessee volunteer football fan. And uh, I, uh, I can obviously tell some need revival in this room. Uh, and I like this song in the Tennessee Vols. They'll sing Rocky Top. And I just, I like it. When my kids were younger, we had to stand when that song came on. And uh, if we're in Cracker Barrel eating and they play that song, get on your feet. Because we are, we are people of the volunteers. And, and all of you folks here in Indiana ought to thank God for us because we gave you Peyton Manning. And so at least you can say a little thank you for the Tennessee Vols. But here, here's the whole point. Rocky Top's not a hymn. I, I don't know that it's absolutely wrong to always listen to, you know, folk music or something like that. But we've got to be wise because God wants us to be holy. Teenagers, you be careful what you got downloaded on your MP3 player. Your, your Spotify list will hurt you if you're not careful. It'll damage your holiness. It'll keep you from being like Jesus. And teens, if, if you know, you've got rap music on your... Spotify list that takes God's name in vain and talks inappropriately about girls and well guys You can't be holy and listen to that holiness is just practical isn't it? God wants us to grow in holiness We could mention modesty and that makes everybody real quiet That's a tough one we could mention music we I, I even thought maybe we ought to talk about weddings And you know why because for some reason Christian weddings aren't as Christian as they used to be But we're to be holy we are people of God and you young people, when you get ready to get married, make it a Christian wedding. I even recommend having it in a church because it's something sacred about that. I don't think you have to. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt just get us married us inside a churchist. <laughs> I'm not dumb. I know that. But, but be careful, teens. And when you go up and get married, girls, have a, guys, have a Christian wedding. Be careful how you dress at a wedding. Don't, don't, don't wear things that are barely fitting and 
all the preachers have to look away because of the way people are dressed. We're Christians. We're to pursue holiness. Does this make sense tonight or not? Or is that, am I getting too personal? Am I too personal? We're to pursue holiness. Grow in the Lord. We've got to grow in the Lord. We've got to advance in holiness in our That's what Peter, how do you thrive in this messed up world? How do, you, how do you succeed as a believer in a dark, dark world like ours? Well, he says, here's what you've got to do. You've got to grow in holiness. Grow in holiness. He also says, he also says in this passage, that you've got to grow in honesty. Look, if you would be in chapter 2, chapter 2. I'm, I'm skipping quite a few verses, but look at chapter 2 at verse 11. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Listen to verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Do you see what he's saying right there? He says we're to grow in holiness, but we're also to grow in honesty. That word, honest, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles is translated in a variety of ways in our New Testament. Uh, do you remember the, the time when Jesus said, let men see your good works? That word good is the same word honest in this verse 12. It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. The word meat is the word honest in this verse. It is better, better for thee to enter into life with one eye than to have two eyes to be cast into hell where the, you remember where he says where the, the fire is not quenched and the worm doesn't, you remember that verse? That word better is the word honest. Having your conversation good among the Gentiles. Having your conversation meet among the Gentiles. Having your conversation better among the Gentiles. How many of you all agree that if we are people of the living God and the Bible is true and we are children of God, we ought to live differently than the world around us lives? I have to grow into that. I've got to live differently. Anybody can live like the world, and if we live like the world, we get what the world gets. Is that right? But we don't want what the world has. We want better. We want God's favor and God's blessings and God's uh, kindness and goodness and graciousness in our life. So I've got to, I've got to grow in honesty. My, my works, I've, I've got to live in such a way that I am known for my good, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that they may, by your good works, glorify God. This is what he's saying here. And glory in the Bible is visible. Did you know that? Glory in the Bible is something visible. I don't have time to develop that, but you ought to chew on that. Remember when the glory of God showed up in the temple in the Old Testament? Do you remember that illustration? They saw it. They saw it. It was, it was visible. When the Bible talks about there being glory in the church, he wants that to be something visible. The church, ought to, the church ought to have so much of the favor and the blessings of God. We ought to get our prayers answered in such a way that the world around us looks at the church and goes, hey, wow, there's something real there. That, that's reality. Look, look at that. Look at that. The world needs to see Christianity in my life and in yours. Your neighbors ought to see Christ in you. See, that's having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Your neighbors ought to know there's something different about you. They ought to know that. They ought to know that. Years ago, I met this lady in Ocala, Florida, named Mrs. Steele. She's in heaven now. And she was uh, way on up in years when I met her. And I said to her one night after revival service, I said, Mrs. Steele, tell me your story. How did you get saved? Oh, my goodness, she said, I got saved as an adult. I was, I was a little bit older when I got saved. 
I said, well, tell me the story. She said, the neighbors on this side of us, they came here to Central Baptist, and she said, every, every weekend, they'd come over and invite us to go to church with them. And they'd do things for us, and they'd take care of us and help us with things. And she said, we knew something was different in their life, but she said, they, uh, we just never came. They kept trying. We never came. And she said, then the neighbors over here moved out, and some new neighbors moved in. Lo and behold, the neighbors over here went to Central Baptist right here to church. And she said, then these two over neighbors, this neighbor over here and this neighbor over here, they started trading off. One weekend, they'd try to talk us into going to church. And the next weekend, they'd try to talk us into going to church. And she said, you know, we just kept watching them. We'd, we'd be up watching the news, and every Sunday morning, we'd see them. These are different. There's something different about these people. They get in their car and go to worship. They go to worship. So she said, they go to worship. And they live differently than all the other folks in the neighborhood. They were, they were kind. They were sweet. They were good neighbors. She said, I got saved because Jesus died for my sins, was buried, and was raised from the dead. She gave me the gospel. But she said, the reason I considered it was because of this neighbor over here and because of this neighbor over here. She said, I saw that something they had was real. And finally, she said one morning, Mr. Steele, she called him Mr. Steele. She said, Mr. Steele said, maybe we ought to go to church and find out what they got. And she said, we did. Three weeks later, we met Jesus Christ. We were born again. And she said, we've been in church ever since. See, that's what Paul, Peter's talking about here. Peter is saying, you know what you've got to do? You've got to grow in the Lord in such a way that everybody you, works with looks at, everybody you work with looks at your life, and they're like, hmm. You know, right there, there's people, something different about them. They've got a joy I don't have. They've got a peace I don't have. There's something different about them. That's what he's trying to say here. That's how you thrive. Every, every teenager that knows you, teenagers, ought to know something's different in their life. Everybody you go to college with ought to know something's different. Every neighbor you have ought to know something's different. You don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to, you know, get a you know a megaphone and stand in the front yard and read the Bible out loud. The Bible says here by your good words. You love people, you serve them. He says that we ought to we ought to love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's that's living honestly among the Gentiles. Does anybody in your life know there's a God because of your life? Does anybody know uh, there's something to this Christianity because of you? That's the point he's making here. I've got to grow in honesty, not perfection. There's no such thing as that. But evidence, evidence, evidence. You've got to work at that. Our neighbors are great. Our, our neighbors on this one side of us over here, they watch our house when we're gone. They're great neighbors. Mary professes to know Jesus. She doesn't necessarily live like it, but she professes to know Jesus. Never has gone to church as long as I've known her. But she professes, and she's a good neighbor. She takes care of our house. She smokes on the back porch a lot. And, 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 and I, the only reason I think it's okay is because the whole time she's out there, she watches my house. And, and yeah, we've developed a friendship with them. We've gotten to know Mary and, 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 and you know, it's, it's, it's a friendship. We, we, we're friends, and they know we're different. We go to church. They know that. We do things different. They know that, and, and they know we pray. Mary's cat died some months ago. Bless that cat. It was 21 years old and could hardly walk. I'd been praying the Lord would call it home. Um, I felt so sorry for that cat. My golden retriever jumped the fence one day and grabbed that cat. 
Luckily, Mary was there, and my golden retriever is obedient. She jumped the fence. There was kind of a storm coming in, and my dog would get scared when it heard thunder. And my dog jumped over the fence and ran into their garage, grabbed that 21-year-old cat, and picked it up, and Mary yelled, and she dropped it. And they grabbed that cat and ran to an animal hospital and did x-rays and cat scans. And <laughs> That's worth coming, wasn't it, right there? And I'm, I, I wasn't home when this happened, and I'm thinking, you know what? When they started, I got home, and she said, here's what happened. We just got back from the vet because your dog jumped the fence and grabbed our cat. And we had to do this and this and this test and that test and this x-ray. And the longer she's talking, I'm hearing ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And I'm thinking, you know, this dog's going to meet God. And, and so I finally got up the courage to say, right, how much do I owe you? And Mary said, uh, it's actually Teresa. Her friend, the other lady who lived there, Teresa, said, oh, you don't owe me anything, she said. She got started crying. Oh, you don't owe me anything, she said. Because the vet found out that our cat has a liver disease and said if she hadn't known it, it probably killed her. But they've got her medication, thinks she'll live two more years. <laughs> she got all emotional, and she was like, "You, uh, that, that was of God. I got in the spirit, and I was like, praise God. <laughs> and, uh, woo! Glory to God. And, uh. I'm so glad my dog got a hold of your cat so you'd find that out. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. I, I was just on, I was in the spirit. And uh, a month later, that cat died right in their kitchen. And Mary ran over and she was like, she's in tears. She said, came running. I was working out in the garage. She came running in the garage. She's in tears. And she said, oh, you got to pray with us. Her cat just died. She came for prayer. First time in my life I ever prayed for a dead cat. But you know why she came running? Because she knows we pray. I, I don't, I'm not weird. I don't think that cat's in heaven. I mean, if, if you think that, I, will, you know, I won't fight with you about it. Um, I, I don't think that. But, but that's God's creation. And, and that's their pet. You know, God's, God's, aren't you glad God's good to us like that? And, and I'm supposed to live in such a way that the world around me sees something in my life that says, you know what, this is a different kind of family. It's a different kind of person. How long has it been since you thrived as a Christian? I mean, in holiness. Can't do that because I'm a Christian. Can't watch that, I'm a Christian. Can't wear that, I'm a Christian. We shouldn't act that way, we're Christians. We can't listen to that, we're Christians. It's called holiness. I'm to grow in holiness. That's how you thrive in a world like ours. I'm to thrive in honesty. I'm to live in such a way that there's visible evidence that my Christianity makes a difference in my life and is real. That's what he's saying here. There's one more. I'm to grow in honor. If you read these verses, he says here in verse 12 that we're to have our conversation honest among the Gentiles. He says in verse 13, we're to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And he says in verse 15 that that's the will of God because with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We're free, he says in verse 16, but we're not to use our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Instead, we're to use our liberty so we can serve the Lord. Verse 17 says we're to honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. I'm to grow in holiness. I'm to grow in honesty. And one last one there in verse 17, I'm to grow in honor. Honor is to value. He said, I'm to honor all men. I'm to value people. That's Christianity. 
I'm to honor all men. I'm to value people. We're so busy in our culture for not careful. What we do is we live our life running and running and running and overlook people. How often do you watch people now at restaurants and we sit at restaurants and entire families do this the entire time? We're to value people. People are important. Are you all with me on that? We're to value them. We are to care about our neighbors. They're valuable to God. They are created in the image of God and they have a living soul. We're to care about that. That's the matter to us. We're to, we're to grow in honor. We're to honor all men. How long has it been since you had any awareness of the people in your life and you valued them? Somebody in your family, that maybe you haven't been around them in a while, but you value them enough to pray for them because they, they are not yet believers in Jesus and you care. How long has it been since you valued a neighbor enough to invest in them in an effort maybe to get them to Jesus so they could be a child of God on their way to heaven? We're to grow in honor. And the word means value. Value all men. Honor all men. He even says here we're to honor the king. We wouldn't say king. We would say president. Now, as believers, sometimes we have such strong opinions about politics, we can miss something here. We, we ought to be reminded that the God of heaven cares about the soul of politicians. You know what he says we're to do? We're to pray for them. Have you ever prayed that President Biden would come to know Christ? That Kamala Harris would come to know Christ? You can have an opinion politically, and I suppose everybody does. Is that fair? I guess it'd be weird to meet somebody that didn't care one way or the other. Everybody I know cares one way or the other, but we are people of the living God. And we're to honor the king. We're to, we're to value him. We're to pray for him. We're to, we're, to, we're to take them to God. The Bible even says we're to pray for those in authority that they will make decisions in such a way that it will let me and you Live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What do you do when the politicians are corrupt and the world is falling? Here's what you do. You pray up a storm. You know why? Because God is bigger than politicians. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. How many of y'all believe that? God is able to take Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, one of the most um, ungodly leaders the world has ever known, and Almighty God put his fingerprints all over that man's life in such a way that Daniel lived 70 years in that kingdom and served God all 70 of those years and even saw miracles in the process of it. And Nebuchadnezzar himself even made several laws that demanded the whole Babylonian empire worship the God of heaven because he had to be the true God, Nebuchadnezzar said. That's how you honor. We're to grow in honor. How long has it been since you cared about people? Since you went to the post office and spoke to somebody. Since you went to Walmart and the person who was a little rude to you, you took time to find out why. You doing all right? Can I pray with you about that? You're to value, honor. Here's where we're to grow. Here's how you thrive. Am I making sense tonight? You, you, if you're going to thrive in a dark world like ours, you've got to grow. Don't stop growing. Don't get just to start floating along. You've got to grow in, in, in holiness. 
you've got to grow in honor. You've got you've to grow here in the text in honesty. That's how you thrive as a believer. Aren't you glad that babies don't stay babies the rest of their life? Isn't it a good thing to watch them grow? Our little granddaughter, Ellie. My goodness, we're a little partial to her. She's pretty amazing. She's incredible. And, and watching her take her first step. Wow, she's growing. We're praying for her. And she'll be saved while she's young. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. We're already praying for her. I'm loving watching her grow. I'm loving that. What an incredible thing. Y'all with me on this or not? Something special about that. Did you know it pleases the heart of your God when he sees you growing? You're growing in your holiness. You're more like Jesus, his son, than you've ever been. And you're growing in your honesty. You, your life is such a different kind of life that this world can glorify God because of what they see in your life. And you're growing in your honor. You value the people whom God cares about. You value the people whom Jesus died for. And you live your life in light of that. It's called growing. And I can tell you, friend, I don't know all of you here tonight, but as I close this message, I wouldn't be right if I didn't take a moment to remind you that you can try to clean up your life and care about people and do all of that and still not be part of the family of God. Because growing in holiness and honesty and honor will not make you a child of God. You have to be born again through the Word of God in order to be a child of God. And before you can grow, you've got to know the God of heaven in a personal way. The Bible says, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And dear friend, if you're in the building tonight, You've never been born again through Jesus Christ. You need to understand, according to the Bible, that you are a sinner separated from God. That's the Bible theological truth about all of us. We're sinners. We can't go to heaven. We're separated from God. But Jesus died for our sins, and he was buried, and he was raised from the dead, according to the Scriptures. And because he died for our sins, if we turn to him and believe on him, he takes away our sins. And because he was raised from the dead, when we turn to him and believe on him and he becomes our God and our Savior, because he died, we can be forgiven. Because he was raised from the dead, we receive everlasting life, spiritual life, eternal life, overcoming life, victorious life, abundant life. It's life. We're dead in our sins, the Bible says, but through Jesus we can be made alive. We're lost, the Bible says, but through Jesus we can be found by God. We're outside the family of God, but through Jesus Christ, we can be brought into the family of God. We can literally become children of God, but you have to have a birthday, a spiritual birthday, the day you understand I'm a sinner and I don't know this God and I am not part of God's family because I've not yet had a birthday. But Jesus, I want to be spiritually born again into your family and I confess I'm a sinner, and I turn to you, Jesus. Will you be my God and my Savior? You do it, and he'll do it. You turn to Jesus on that basis, and he'll turn to you. 
He's already paid the sin debt. He's already died. He's already been buried. He's already been raised from the dead. All you can do is believe on him, receive him, trust him, take him, and he'll forgive your sins and save you. So two things to tell you as I close. If you've never been saved, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. He'll forgive your sins and make you part of his family. But if you're a child of God, don't you see some areas of your life where you could grow? That's how you thrive. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Bethley's coming to the piano. She's going to play our hymn tonight. We're going to get ready in a moment for our, our youth rallies and our youth events. But before we do that, let's bow our heads in the presence of God and just draw near to him for a moment. How many of you would say tonight, just be honest, you'd say tonight, hey, Dave, I'm going to tell you that I can see some areas where I need to do some growing. Pray for me about it. Raise your hand if that's you. I can see some areas, all right. How many of you would say, Dave, I can especially see that I, I need to get more serious about the Word of God. I need to get back to the Word of God, read the Word of God, and, and prioritize the Word of God. Pray for me that I'll do that. I need to get to the Word of God. Let me see your hand. Nobody here but us? Just raise a good night, would you? And is there anybody here who would say, Dave, I, I want you to pray for me because I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that I'm part of God's family, but I sure want to know that. Would you pray for me about that? Don't embarrass me, but do pray for me. I don't know for sure that I'm part of God's family, but I do want to be born again into God's family. Pray for me about it. Anybody at all? Let me just see your hand. Bless you, buddy. God bless you, young lady. I appreciate both of you. Is there anybody else tonight? Anybody else tonight? You too, would you just look at me a moment? Nobody knows you raised your hand but me. Would you, young man, look at me? You raised your hand, would you? Just let God work in your heart, kids. If you want to know you're going to heaven, pastor's right here in the aisle near you. You could step out and let him pray with you. or You can see us at the youth rally. We'll help you. We want to help you to know you're going to heaven. And God, would you help this young lady and this young man? Would you help them to understand how much you love them and care about them? I pray before this night ends, they will know for sure they're part of your family. They'll be born again. In the name of Jesus, I pray that. And help all of us to grow. I pray that as well. Now you take a moment and pray while Bethany plays our hymn, would you? Would you need to kneel? If you should, come on. Should you kneel in a revival? It's been a while since you knelt. Maybe you should kneel. Just say, God, you know what? I'm going to start growing. Either way, you pray. Either way, you go to prayer. You can pray at your seat. You can pray at an altar here at the front. Either way, you pray. And if you don't know you're going to heaven, just motion for me. I'll get somebody to pray with you. Anybody that way at all? Are you praying? Don't leave before you without without praying. Don't don't leave until you've talked to God about these matters. God wants us to thrive.
you can look right this way, would you please? Thank you for being here tonight. You got to know, you got to grow. Because God wants you to thrive. Hope you'll be back tomorrow night. You'll let God work in your heart. And hope you'll be praying for the services. Thank you for bringing guests tonight. Guests, we're delighted and honored you came. And I'm very, very thankful for you. If we can serve you, help you, pray with you, love you in any way, you just have to let us know. We'd be glad to do it. Pastor, sir. Wow, what another great night. Teenagers are going to be going outside in just a moment. Pastor Joe, come on up. Pastor Joe Ray was the pastor, is, was here for a long time, is now the pastor of Pittsburgh Baptist Church, and he's going to dismiss us in prayer as soon as we dismiss. Don't forget you have kids, if you have kids, to pick them up, please. Our, our, ten, our interns, they, they need to be introduced to the ministry, but that may be pushing it. And, uh, and then teenagers will be heading out back uh, for some game time. So Joe, you come up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we had together. Thank you for the message. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the time of fellowship before, but also for the time of fellowship we have with you uh, in singing and in hearing your word. God, I do pray for those that raised their hand and said that they need salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd open their eyes to how much you love them. Would you open their eyes to just how much uh, you did for them on the cross and what it all means? And Lord, I just pray that you would, in each one of us who already know you, uh, would you stir within us the revival fires, Lord, uh, that we would be moved to not only grow, uh, but to provoke one another to grow also. And Lord, I pray that you would use us, and uh, may many more come to know you as, as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. You are